0: Welcome to the Revolution Church Podcast. today. That should be fine. We're good? We're good? We're good. So we've got a lot of, um, can you hear me okay? Hopefully you can hear me. Uh, we've got a lot to cover today. This uh, Galatians study has ended up being quite Quite the long study. Whew. Test one, two, one, two. Um, hey, everybody. Uh, it's just been a week. I've been 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 parenting all week long and uh, I'm tired and uh, oh goodness all sorts of crazy stuff's happening um, so anyhow thanks for, for for joining me good morning good morning good morning and good, good, good afternoon good evening to wherever you are um, let me grab my notes here. So we are in Galatians 3, which, I mean, well, we're not in Galatians 3. This is part 3 of the study. We're still in in 2. Um, let me grab that. It's funny because I did my studies in another Bible, and then I grabbed this one, and I probably should have grabbed the other one, but that's okay. There it is. So I didn't even underline anything in this one because this is a new Bible I'm using. Uh, let's see. I think we can get there. I think we can get halfway through two today because I've been getting a lot of, a lot of information on the uh, old... The old uh, Old Galatians. Now listen, um, one of the things I wanted to ask you guys is please don't forget to like and subscribe. Um, But I think, I don't know if you have to join YouTube to like and subscribe. Sure would be worth it to us if you did. Uh, It's helpful uh, if you like what we're doing and you subscribe to what we're doing and you... uh, turn on the notices um, in case we do any surprise stuff during the week. And uh, also just remind you when service is starting. So yeah, all that stuff helps and it helps uh, by liking these talks. It helps YouTube put us in the rotation more. So that helps and we can use that help. So, um, if you can like our things, not yes, please do, and maybe sign up to YouTube so you can help uh, get revolution out there more. That's the other ways you can help. Um, we just put out a uh, I just put out an Instagram message and a Facebook message the other day, letting folks know that we are going to try to raise the goal. Our goal is uh, for the year is seventy-five thousand uh, dollars for two thousand. And uh, 24, and you go, what can you do with that? Well, we can do a lot more. Um, We pretty much double our budget from last year. Um, And to be honest with you, it it gets kind of tough doing this. You know, it's just me and Josh, and and Josh is volunteering, you know, and he's got a full time job. I'm looking for a part time job, and it gets, it kind of gets um, tough being the only person, you know, just two of us. And uh, not being able to do much more because you're just doing everything to the max, um, trying to get you know all the studying in and put the posts up and get everything released on time. Um, so uh, it would be nice to have some wiggle room in what we're in our work. So So that's our goal. $75,000 seems crazy. But also, funny thing is, working on a documentary about my parents, we just showed the first two episodes at Sundance, which was really cool. Um, you know, it's so weird that like my, my, my folks could raise, like my dad would raise that much money in a day. <laughs> but even back in, back in the day at Revolution, when we were in Atlanta, we used to have uh, uh, one supporter who gave that. Um, it was actually like a foundation that gave us that. Until we started talking about stuff they didn't like and then they pulled their support. But yeah, we could use your support. We've been doing this for 30 years. I want to do it for longer and and want to do more and want to grow and and, uh, have someone we can hire to help us with all this stuff. Make everything move a little bit smoother. So that would be grateful. That's what we're doing. Revolutionchurch.com. You can check that out. I'm just letting you know um and if you share that stuff that helps too i know it's weird look i don't want to share a church asking for money um so i don't know else how to, <laughs> to do it at this point so there you go um that's been the adventure uh, you know it's funny back in back in the day before emails and stuff um believe it or not i remember that time and i also was very late subscriber to emails um you would get letters from people and they'd get these really, you know, friendly letters, you know, and then you get one negative one, one bad one, you know, and it would be like for every five nice letters, you'd get one bad one. Of course, that one bad one would always outshine the the good ones. And what I've realized now, since it's easier to like send messages and stuff, (laughs) it often feels like I get like 50 bad ones and one good one. And so what I've been trying to recently do is trying to to focus on the positive one and let that take over again like let the 50 bad ones be outshined by the good ones and uh, you know that's that's the new goal so here we are in the, the the book of galatians a lot going on we've got book of galatians is like i've said before it's a letter to galatians they are completely separated um yeah well someone's come in and and cause separation in the community. So the Gauls and uh, the Jewish Christians have, have started to fight over uh, religious uh, customs and circumcision and all this stuff. So they're starting to, to, to separate a little bit. Um, one of the other things that's happening here, yeah, and, and Paul's, uh, whoever these leaders are, are questioning Paul's authority. authority as an apostle and as a speaker and as uh, someone who can say grace alone. And they've accused him of, of, of tickling ears and all this stuff. Um, so that's happening. So this letter to the Galatians is Paul trying to bring a divided community together. Also um, trying to... to reassert himself as a leader into that community and saying, hey, you know, let's remember what this community was like. Let's re- remember how we all worked together. You know, can we, let's let's talk a little bit more about this, clear. And uh, we've, we've done this, I guess, every year for probably four or five years now. Um, and before that, I, I was going through Galatians so much, I realized I had to set it to like once a year because otherwise... Um, We'd never stop doing Galatians, so that's why it's the beginning of every year, so I can remember, and it's kind of created a tradition. and And after this one, we'll go into Tillich's "You Are Accepted" because I think that's a very important talk, and we're going to look at that as well. And then I think we're going to do Dr. King's uh, a Dr. King talk sermon after that, and 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 because I think that's just like like let's hit it with grace, 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 justice, you know. All this really cool stuff. So that would be great. Um, so here we are. We've we've made it to Galatians two. It's so funny because usually we just blow through Galatians one, but the, some of the new study resources I've been using, um, and, and I've been studying more scholarship than just theology or like you know commentaries, but really deep scholarship, and um, it's really dissecting. It this, this dissects this this. This book and uh, it's really kind of beautiful and it's even making it like see things that I've not seen before or, or really highlight those things. So here we are. Um, Paul had just talked about that. The fact that he persecuted Christians, that he was a, he persecuted people for falling this way. So he's almost foreshadowing and saying like, OK, I used to be like these people who were troubling you. And I like the foreshadowing. He does a lot in this book which I hadn't noticed I don't think before is he's always kind of like I was like this let me show you other people you know let me show you what how these troublemakers work let me show you how this is and so you, it's really interesting to me and so he talks about that and then he says you know but then I turned and and became a Christian and it's funny because so many people don't like Paul and I think Paul is one of the most misunderstood uh writers in the new testament you know there's people like i'm a red letter christian or i just don't listen to paul and i think you can't really cut paul out because paul's about grace Another interesting thing about paul is paul never mentions hell you know so paul has that clobber scripture and in in romans 1 that everybody uses but you know you got to read romans 2 as well and you also have to read it within proper context as well but besides that um Paul is it teaches us a lot about grace, a lot about unconditional love, um, a lot about forgiveness, a lot about restoration. And we have such a lack of that in the church. And it's strange because like the, the conservatives often cling to things like the, the pastoral epistles, which were actually written by Paul. It's like it's like reactionary Paul. It's like somebody wrote something that Paul was too graceful, so they did these books. And so then you got everybody fighting this situation with Paul, and then you got, you know, progressive saying, oh, we don't want to read Paul because he's a chauvinist and blah, blah, blah. You know, it's like, folks, it's time to wake up and realize that Paul lived 2,000 years ago in the Middle East. Uh, Compared to most people, no, he was not, (laughs) you know, a male chauvinist or this or that or homophobic. They didn't even know what homosexual was or, 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 you know, I mean, he maybe knew what, what, you know, a little bit, but they didn't have a concept of sexuality at that time. You know, th- th- these were just weren't things that were happening. And it's just really funny how we like try to like take these ideas from our time and, and, and put them onto these authors. and Oh, they were this way and they were that way. And it was like, you know, no, things were very different then. And so if you think of a Middle Eastern culture 2000 years ago, um, Paul was quite progressive, if you will, um, quite ahead of his time. And, uh, and, 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 and the faith that it pushed him to, to, to come to that point. Um, so, wow, right? Um, so I, I want to encourage people to just, like, wake up. Like, the Apostle Paul is, you need to read it, you know? Don't read the pastoral epistles. Those aren't Paul. Those are fake Paul because Paul preached so much grace that someone felt like it was too loosey-goosey, you know? Why would Paul go from there's no male, no female to all of a sudden like the man runs and this sets up this hierarchy of structure when he's been doing nothing but tearing down hierarchy. And we're going to see that today uh, as well when we look into this uh, Galatians 2. So here we are. So again he goes, Then after 14 years I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas taking Titus along with me. I went up in response to a revelation that I had laid before them. The only a private meeting with the acknowledged leaders. The gospel that I proclaimed among the Gentiles in order to make sure that I was not running or had not run in vain. So one of the things that's happening here is is Paul recently just, you know, here earlier said, um, you know, God has no favorites, you know. um, All that stuff. And, you know, he's no respecter of, of... and I think I'll get into that a little bit more. Um, but he, he's no respecter of, uh, of men's hierarchy or status. Paul didn't care about status, um, but unfortunately others did. So when, 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 when he, so he knew he needed to talk to the pillars, the disciples and people like that, to talk about his work and get the approval of them. So others would respect his work. And and so it's really interesting how that works. Like you kind of get in the in this system, it's like late stage capitalism. We're all kind of stuck in it. We all have to work through it. We all have to kind of move and sweep and see how it works. And, and, and remember that none of this stuff that they're trying to sell us is going to fill the lack. Because the lack is always the lack. That's why it's called the lack. And you can't fill the lack. <laughs> Now, it's not a God-shaped hole because God's not going to fill the lack and a new Amazon purchase isn't going to fill the lack. A new car is not going to fill the lack. new partner is not going to fill the lack. nothing The lack is something that we have to learn to live with. But, so Paul had to also learn to live with, you know, I need to go and have these approvals so others will will respect the work that I'm doing and so people won't, my, my running... My, the race that I'm running won't be in vain. And so he wanted his work to be respected. He didn't want his work to be shut down because he knew that if, if, uh, if the elders, if the pillars, if the disciples, uh, those who were with Christ, did not give it the seal of approval, that would affect his work. Um, so he goes up, and then he goes, but even Titus, who was with me, was not compelled to be circumcised Though he was Greek, but because of false believers secretly brought in who slipped in to spy on our freedom we have in Christ Jesus so that they might enslave us. Um, but we did not even submit to them for a moment so that we, so that the truth with the gospel might always remain with you. Now, one of the things it's interesting about this is because I used to always think that when they said, Well, you know, my, 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 you know. My, my partner here, Titus, wouldn't have been actually, you know, demanded because someone snuck in and noticed our freedoms. I always thought, like, maybe they snuck into, like, the bathhouse or something and, and, and saw that he wasn't uncircumcised. <laughs> I've always had a kind of a literal brain that, that worked that way. But more than likely, this is what he was bringing to the pillars of the community, to the disciples. And and coming to them about this and saying, hey, you know, we want to preach to the uncircumcised. We also want to tell them that they don't need to be circumcised. And I think the, the idea here is that there were people amongst the leadership who came in to push back. You know, people in, with, amongst the leadership who either snuck in or were there and was like, how dare he? You know, there, there was a division in the leadership. And so... Saying, "Oh no, we don't recognize that," you know, and 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 his 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 Greek partner isn't even circumcised and needs to be circumcised, and that all probably came through Paul bringing that to the disciples and saying, "This is what." So Paul is really trying to sit here and say, you know, and he's like, "Hey, you guys, reach." Jews for Christ, you know, you're Jewish Christians and you go into the Jerusalem and you do all this. I want to go all outside of Jerusalem where there's all these Gentiles and I want to reach Gentiles. You know, but we don't want to pressure Gentiles to feel like they have to, you know, convert to Judaism and do the practice of Judaism in order to get to Christ. Like there's not a mediator to Christ, like it's just Christ, you know. And so that's what what, what Paul's saying. And so Paul is also foreshadowing again, that hey, it's not the first time I've dealt with people like this. Um, it's not the first time I, 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 you know, I've dealt. So I'm not the first time I've dealt with people who've tried to oppress me, or tell me that I have to do certain things, or, or, or accuse my friends and say that my friends have to be a certain way in order to be Christ followers. Like he's trying to say, like this happened when I was. You know, he's, he's always killing two birds with one son because he's going, this is when the disciples gave me, like, the seal of approval. And it's also, there were these types who were, what. But what, what the critics here were called Judaizers. There were these types of folks who were amongst us even then trying to pressure us. And, you know, he's given a dig on them because it's really false brethren. It's not false or false siblings. It's not, uh, is what he's saying, but they brought in... you know, slipped in. False believers is what the NRSB, but it says false brothers and sisters. Like they weren't family. They weren't community. They weren't a part of the community or they're pretending to be a part of the community only to sow discord. And how often do we have that type of discord today? I would probably be seeing like that with a lot of people who, who don't include LGBTQ folks or uh, who believe that there's hell, that eternal damnation that's going to torture people forever. Um... Some people would probably see me as a troublemaker that way. For me, I see that we've rebuilt a system. We've rebuilt the law just in different ways, and so we have different things that we tell people. Like, well, if you really want to be a Christian, you got to think this way. You got to vote this thing, or you got to do this. You got to do that. And all of a sudden, grace isn't sufficient. It's now it becomes about works, and and it becomes about judgment, and it becomes about pressure, and it becomes about politics, and it becomes like you know, our politicians are more gods than. You know, if you think about it, more people interpret their theology <laughs> through their political beliefs sometimes than they do vice versa, like their theology and then come to political beliefs. Um, because a lot of it just it doesn't add up and it doesn't make sense. But I, I guess really you can make the Bible say what you want um, if you negotiate it within the way you would like to. Or if you were raised a particular way or if you read it in a, like a very literal sixth grade level, that can happen as well, I guess. Um, so goes, we did not submit to those even for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might always remain with you. And so Paul's constantly standing saying, I'm not going to submit, I'm not going to get in, I'm not, you know, I, it's like... Uh, Martin Luther, when he said, I cannot recant, you know, he's like, we're not going to let these folks in. We're not giving, you know, we are shutting them down. We're standing up because the gospel is important. And this is not forcing people to follow traditions and holidays and things like that is not the gospel, period. It's rebuilding another system. It's another good news or you're rebuilding the law. And that's what Paul's arguing here. And Paul's also now showing that he's been given the seal of approval, like I said, by the disciples, and he's also showing, like, this isn't my first rodeo. You know, I've had people come in and try to push their agenda and try to push circumcision, you know, ever since I've been doing this. Now, this is where it gets really cool. And from those who were supposed to be acknowledged leaders, what actually were makes no difference to me. God shows no partiality. Those leaders contributed nothing to me. On the contrary, when they saw that I had been entrusted with the gospel for the uncircumcised, just as Peter had been entrusted with the gospel for the circumcised, for who worked through Peter, making him an apostle, the circumcision also works through me, sending me out to the Gentiles. And when Jesus, when James and Cephas and John were all the knowledge pillars, recognized me, grace, they had been given me the right hand of fellowship Barnabas, the right hand of fellowship. But I want to go back up to seven. This is why I'm I'm kind of rambling here. It, up to six, I mean. And those who were supposed to be acknowledged, leaders, and then he follows and says, What they actually were makes no difference to me. Um What's really, really, really interesting here is is, is Paul, when Paul said, I'm not impressed with this, the status of leaders, and even though this is like society's rules, like this is tradition, this is regulation, you know, one of the things I noticed a lot, like hierarchy, there's always hi- hierarchy, you know, um, we in work and, and things, you have a boss you work for, people who work and it's even funny, like when I was at the film festival, you could tell like the hierarchy was the people who were more famous or the producers who were more successful, you know. And and it's funny because they even expect to be talked to a certain way, looked at a certain way. Like, because I would just kind of say what I thought to people, like to producers and people like that who were standing around. And then I would, I mean, they would act shocked by the most mundane thing. Like, oh, I can't believe it all, you know. And it was like, I mean, it's like, oh, oh, you're just not used to per- people telling you the truth. <laughs> you know, you're not used to people pushing back. Um, you see that a lot in church um, as, as well, where this kind of hierarchy that gets set up, and, and it's this power structure. And Paul says, I have no respect for this power structure because God has no particulars, has no favorites. We should be treating each other as equals. And you will find a lot of people don't like that. They don't like it. You know, if they've worked for their whole life and they've become successful, even if you don't work for them, they expect to be treated a certain way. And if you don't treat them the way that they want to be treated, they will cut you out, or they will talk down to you. You know, they'll move the the goalpost often. You know, you'll be like, okay, well then I'll try to talk your language, and then, but if you don't talk it in the right way, they move it around. And so, you've got Paul doing something that's that, that's quite. Uh, for me, it seems kind of punk rock in a way. Um, but it's also very uh, very part of the Jewish tradition to, to not really, uh, some of the Jewish tradition, not all of it, but some of the Jewish tradition to, to also say, well, God sees all people equally and not have this kind of hierarchy thing. But here's the thing is when this book was written, let's talk about context for a minute. Ancient Mediterranean society heavily emphasized social, social status, you know. Um, class distinction was seen as, a, as crucial and how people related to each other. I mean, it was just class status, you know, children, women, men, and then this class status. that always didn't, come, sometimes it didn't even come with finances, it came with like different influence or different family things or things like that because it, really everybody was really poor at this time, especially in an occupied territory. But, but this class status was, was seen as very relevant. And what you'll notice is Paul is constantly kicking against the class status. And, 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 that, and he will, just in the, when we get to it, whenever we get to it, neither male nor female, junior or Gentile, you know, it's funny because I always get people who, who feel like, oh, well, my identity is this, or my identity is this, and they don't like it, you know. And it's usually people who, 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 who've been discriminated against you know, um, but I'm like, you don't understand, like, this, when he's saying this, he's he's trying to dismantle this hierarchy, but he's also trying to dismantle, dismantle the lowarchy, you know, there's no hierarchy of suffering, you know, we're all one, and so you've got the Apostle Paul, like I was trying to say again the other day, is like 2,000 years Middle Eastern culture, you know, who's saying, I don't want to, I'm not going to obey the, the, the Mediterranean society. I don't care that it's heavily influenced by uh, class separation or class uh, cl- distinction. Class distinction is we're, 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 we're seen crucial here. And this is how we relate to each other. You know, for me, it's not... And, and it's interesting because a lot of uh, philosophers at that time also uh, disagreed with the, stas, the status uh, type of, of separation, this class distinction. distinction. Um and, and the Stoics were, were, were very indifferent about it, you know. Um, and also interesting is that the Gentiles, a lot of the Gentiles uh, respect, re- respected the philosophers uh, who also disdained that, that, that way of seeing status, at least within thought, if not completely living that way. So here you have the Apostle Paul saying... Peter's status is—you know—he walked with Jesus. G- it doesn't really matter to me. I'm here because it matters more to the people I'm working with, because it helps me run my race well. It keeps me doing this. You know, Peter, great guy, I'm sure, but you know, there are, God has no favorites. There is no partiality. There is no—there is no uh, class separation. There is no curtain that—you know—when you know, go into coach. <laughs> You know uh, that that you know Paul said no, we burn that. You know there's no first class, there's no second class, there's no third class. You know, and, and that's really interesting to me because uh, we talked about this a few weeks ago how Christians often fall into that with big donors or big things, you know, where I want to be, you know, next to powerful people or if the famous, all of a sudden the famous person's preaching, you're going, they just got saved and now they're preaching. What's going on? You know, it's like this intoxicating class class (laughs) distinction of, of I want to be near important people. Um, And it's strange because we all kind of have to play this game at times, you know. Like when I went in to, 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 to when I went to uh, to the film festival and all this, and I was like, you know, you got there's certain things you have to say and you have to do because you want to see the film sell, you want to do this, but you also, you know, push back, but you can't push back too much. You got, you know, and you go like, ah. Because you got to look at the greater good and what you want to do it for the greater good. But at the same time, you're just like, when are we going to realize we're just human beings? That we're, none of us are you know, more important than each other and that we all play a part. And all these parts are equally important to get us to where we need to be. Um, but sometimes we have to go get the right hand of fellowship, <laughs> you know? Sometimes we need to go get that approval from the right person so we can do our work, you know? Um you know, write those books or get people to subscribe and like our talks or, you know, raise funds or do things like that. Um, that's just, I, that's not the road I've taken. I've taken the road less traveled and honestly, it's a tougher road. To be. <laughs> it, it would be easier if I, if I, if I compromised more um, and if I really was trying to please people with open wallets. Uh, but I just I can't do it. I don't even like asking people for money, much less trying to play to their their desires. Um, but it's like uh, for important like when you write a book, they're always like, "Hey Jay, you got to get some quotes. You got to get some quotes for the book." I'm like, "Okay, you know my neighbor Bob can do it." And you're like, "No, no, no. We we need important people. You know we need important people. So, you know we." Could you get Rob Bell to say something about your book? I'm like, I don't, I don't, I don't know Rob Bell. But, well, I've met him a few times, but I don't really know him. Well, if we could get Rob Bell or Brian McLaren or someone who who's popular, you know, at the time, you know, and, and maybe a celebrity, you know, maybe a member of a rock band, you know. Um, I remember I wanted Brennan Manning to write the foreword of my my first book, and they were like, Well, we know who he is, but. How about Johnny Cash? You know I mean it was always like they always wanted to 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 be, and I was like, "Well, that would be awesome." It didn't happen, obviously, but um you know, you've got to get important people to like you so you can sell the book and so other people go like, "Oh, we want someone important, someone talented, someone with charisma likes this guy, so he must have charisma." And it's funny cuz I wrote down important people like me, but it's funny cuz it's like important people like me and then it's also important people like me, you know, cuz eventually that's what you're aiming for is to be, I want to be important. You know, I want to be influential. Um, But you want to also stay human and humble and things like that. And I think that was one of the things I always looked up to my mom is that she was just comfortable wherever she was, you know, if we were at Applebee's or if she was at like some big movie premiere and she'd always meet like the funniest people. And, and like, she would be impressed by people who were like, stars years ago rather than people were like she like met slash and she's like it was at this thing guns and roses guitarist years and years ago and because um, i only knew it because i saw a picture of slash sitting near her and she's like honey you won't believe who i met at this thing and i'm like you met slash and she's like no 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 um i met mc hammer and mc hammer was a bit past his his most popular time but to my mom that was the coolest thing because she just remembered too legit to quit and you got to pray and All that, all that stuff. Um, Total mom move, right? But, but she was also just as happy to be, like I said, like at Applebee's or at the mall or at TJ Maxx or at Target. You know, we probably had more fun there than those, than than the fancy things that uh, she got invited to every now and then. Um, So I think that's, that's an interesting, interesting thing. Um, as far as, as just like this, this need to play up into this class situation. So to me, what I'm trying to say is like, respect everybody, you know, show grace to everybody, um, as you can. And when you're not showing favoritism to those in power or those in wealth or those who, you know it gets a little bit easier over time to speak truth to power. Um, The problem is is power doesn't usually like truth that doesn't go along with its power and doesn't like to be questioned. And that's the problem. And that's why we talk about disagreeing well and arguing well here is because, you know, it's important that we have tough conversations. Uh, And that's what I loved about Dr. King is he would sit down and talk to people like Bull Connor Who completely disrespected him and hated him and wanted him dead, and these other folks, and he would sit in a room with them and he would talk to them and he would show them the respect that they would not show him. You know, he was always the bigger man, and you know he knew that God had no favors, and there they thought they were favorites because their skin, their color of their skin, you know, and because they were a police officer or because they were a judge or whatever. But Dr. King went in there and was able to have honest conversations. And those conversations at the time may have not changed anything at that moment, which it did. There were things that changed. But it also continued to change things years and years to come because he knew how to disagree well. He knew how to uh, force people to recognize his humanity in a really beautiful way. My fail thing is I think sometimes I get a little defensive around people who are on a power trip. And when you get defensive, that's not the best way to communicate because then you start kind of poking and prodding to see what you can get out of it. And I have to make sure that I'm not, like, giving people a hard time. Um, So there's that. So let's, let's jump back into what's going on here. God chose no partiality. Those leaders contributed nothing to me. On the contrary, oh yeah, we read that. And when James and Cephas, John, were acknowledged pillars, recognized the grace that had been given to me, they gave Barnabas and me the right hand of fellowship, which we talked about, agreeing that we should go to the Gentiles, the only, uh, to the Gentiles and to the, uh, go to the Gentiles and to the circumcised. They asked only one thing that we remember, the poor, which was actually what I was eager to do. This often can be poor poor spirit. This often can be communicated as a, a certain group of people, but also those who have are uh, actually poor financially. And uh, Paul said, yes, we were eager to do that, and that was the only thing they added. And he's like going like, and we were already doing that anyway. I, I, I like Paul. I like how Paul struggles a little bit. I like the humanity of Paul. I, I, I think there's something really uh, inspiring about that. So listen to this though, but when Cephas came to Anatoch, I opposed him to his face because he stood self-condemned. Now Cephas is uh, someone who Paul had worked with, someone that the Galatians would know, one of of Paul's uh, people. And they would know. And he goes, and this is how he starts out. He just cuts from this whole thing of like, I was eager to help the poor. And then when Cephas (laughs) just goes into this automatic rebuke about Cephas. But when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood and self-condemned. For until certain people came from James, he used to eat with Gentiles. But after that, he came and drew back and kept himself separate for fear of the circumcision faction. And the others... Jews joined him in the hypocrisy so that even Barnabas... That's what I mean, Barnabas. Cephas, we're talking about Paul. Paul is talking about Peter. But here Barnabas, which was who they would know, one of, of uh, Paul's companions, was led astray by their hypocrisy. But when I saw that they were not acting consistently to the truth of the gospel, I said, Cephas, before them all, if you, though a Jew, like a Gentile and not like a Jew... How can you compel Gentiles to live like Jews? So Cephas is Peter. I'm sorry. I got my my, my names right. My, my, my Cephas and my Barnabas mixed up. But let's read that again, because um, I'm going to put my notes down, because I think they're getting in the way for a second. So he makes it clear, once again, he's gone through this whole thing of no respecter of men, and then he goes to this point where he goes, when I was an Anatoke, Anatoch. Peter wasn't living the same thing he preached. Now, why is this interesting? Well, if you think about why this is so important, here he is, Paul is rebuking Peter for not sitting with Gentiles and only sitting with Jews. Now, I'm guessing Peter's doing this because he probably is tired of the grief that he gets. And probably just trying to be either like a people pleaser or just trying to keep the peace. You know how sometimes we just go, "Mm, let's just, we'll just do this and it'll make everything easier. Um, And Paul didn't like that. And what Paul really didn't like is Barnabas, who the Gentiles would know. So now, again, Paul is foreshadowing, saying, even, you know, even Peter has fallen into this temptation. So in a way, he's saying, you know, all fall short of God's standard, but yet God, in His gracious kindness, declares not guilty. But I had to confront him to his face, and that's that's pretty big. And there's so many reasons why this is is important. Another reason this is important is because here he is with Peter, uh, you know. And, and if you think about Jesus, when Jesus was sitting with tax collectors and prostitutes, notorious sinners, um, and it said even eating with them, you know, and the 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 leaders the the Pharisees at the time said, "Why does Jesus eat with such you know Why does he eat with these lawbreakers? Or why does he eat with such scum as the New Living says?" And that's when Jesus turned around and and, and said, "Hey, I'm here for these folks. These are my people. You know." Also, uh, another thing that I, I we don't realize is. Um, as modern readers we will struggle just as we would struggle to understand how the class distinction which is a little bit easier for us to understand because we see it all day all along we see class distinction but another thing that we would be hard for us as for us modern readers especially western modern readers as we struggle to understand how seriously most people in antiquity took the matter of food and table fellowship so, you know, you've got to remember, like, you were building a covenant with someone when you were sitting down. You were building a friendship with someone when you shared a meal together. Uh, that's why sometimes in the Old Testament, you, you'll see that the people would bring their own food and their own drink because they didn't want to have this table fellowship. So to have this table fellowship was to be bonded. To deny this with others was to say, I don't want this friendship. I do not want you know, I mean, if enemies came together and they did dying together, they were no longer enemies. They were coming together. And this was extremely important. It wasn't like all of us going out to eat or just somebody inviting somebody over for dinner. This was, you know, um, getting someone's <laughs> name tattooed on your neck or something. You know, this was, you know, we will ride and die together. We are family. We are together. We are, we are community to share a meal, and then to share the Lord's Supper together. Even more powerful. And so this is why Paul is so upset, because he's going like, this is the message you're sending, now Barnabas, who said these were his friends, is now not dining with his friends. And I think, like, if any of you remember high school or went to a big public school, you could remember sometimes how we would all be separated by either, like, what you're into, or by race, or by music, or by, you know, popularity, you know, all that status, all that separation, you know, and we just continue to create that over and over again. So when you, for me, when you say, well, I follow, I'm a follower of Jesus, you're saying, I will be, build covenant with all people, and I will eat at all the tables, and we will join together, and we'll eat with those who people don't think we should eat with, and you will become extremely inclusive. So for me, When I see Christianity as exclusive, as as this exclusive thing, which really, after the first 500 years, you started to see Christianity become more exclusive and and things like that. Um, I think when Constantine and people like that come in, you start to see Christianity turn into something that that Christianity, I don't think, ever was meant to be. Unfortunately, now we have about 1,500 years of that type of tradition of this kind of exclusive thing and, and, and these ideas that were, we, we aren't comfortable dismantling, but there's some of us who are saying we've got to dismantle this and we've got to get back to these original thoughts and these ideas where we're saying we rebuke people for not being inclusive and that we're not, but, 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 but there's always room for reconciliation. See, that's the problem is sometimes we rebuke people, oh, these people are bad, and we're not going for reconciliation. And reconciliation always needs to be a constant. Again, that's why we argue well, that's why we disagree well. Because uh, restoration and reconciliation has always got to be part of the conversation. Um, people say, well, I don't want them. They didn't recognize it. It's too late. you know. And you go, well, that's not how you build a movement, folks. You want as many people as you can. And with Christianity, it's all about forgiveness and it's all about grace. And guess what? You don't get to decide who gets grace because everybody gets grace. And that's why I always say grace is like anarchy. It doesn't go to any system. We can't put... And then you know, I, I said that the other day on Facebook, and someone was like, "Whosoever will," you know. And so they try to make it like, well, it's you have to you have to receive. The, There's some traditions you have to accept the gift. And the other tradition you have to receive the gift. And I guess my tradition is like you have it, rather you acknowledge it or not. It's there. That's it was given to you. That's it. You know. Um, a friend of mine was writing something like, "Oh, I went down to uh, Utah, and the Mormons saved me," and I was like, "Oh, it's." I said, oh, I said, that's too late. You know, that happened to you a long time ago. Now, this is a person who doesn't believe in God or anything. But to me, I'm just trying to say, well, my theology says everybody's in. You are accepted. And we can, we'll read a little bit about, Tuck says about that. And we'll also probably read a little bit of uh, Carlton Pearson's works this year as well. And we'll talk a little bit more about why. I believe that is is an important part of this. So, this, this tale, table fellowship is very important. Like I said, Peter probably had his reasons, but not good ones. You know, he was either trying to be a people pleaser or trying to avoid a headache or something like that. And Paul was going like, well, it's not doing that. It's actually causing people who know better. To, it's leading them astray. It's causing them to be more exclusive. It's causing them not to love people that much. You know, and I I think we, you see a lot of this in, in like, I think the Jesus movement, you had these hippies who were like loving everybody and doing all this stuff and then all of a sudden they started to become really conservative and they decided who's in and out and then, but you also see this in the progressive movement is you say, oh, we don't welcome conservatives here or this person's wrong or this person's bad or, you know, you see Christians talking about believing in cancel culture and things like that and that's, grace has no room for that either. So grace doesn't have room for either side and this is why Paul's trying to say we all have to come together, Judaizers, Uh, Gentiles, (laughs) Uh, the Gauls, and and the Christian Jews, you know, you guys, you've got to become one as a community or you're going to destroy each other. And this is why he's having to remind the pillar that that Jesus said, you know, Peter, you are my rock. I mean, Peter, Paul sees that and going, hey, you hung out with the guy, you ate with them sinners, you ate with the wrong people. you got to continue to do that, you know, look what you're doing. You're leading others astray by not by not taking this important moment. And could you imagine if that's what we had to do? To, like if it was just sitting down and sharing a meal with people to show we included, you know, we were family, how awesome that would be to be able to be like, we just all, you'd have all these dinner churches, maybe, <laughs> um, with everybody. Everybody's welcome. You always see that and you never know. It's like, well, what do they mean welcome? They I mean I'm welcome and then I've got to change. Um, but this table of fellowship was 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 open, so you've got what do we look here we've got we've got you know think about mark two seventeen again i I would say check that out mark two seventeen I think it's fifteen through seventeen where jesus is is being condemned for the people he eats with um you know you've got Peter trying to probably avoid some sort of criticism um Paul is pointing out the Barabbas to the Galatians because the Galatians probably knew Barabbas, and Barabbas was probably one of the reasons to help bring this inclusion message to Galatians with to the Gauls with Paul himself. And so he's going like, "Man, even Barnabas." So um, sucks to be Barnabas, huh? Um, and it's not that Peter is such a bunch of hypocrite, but he, I mean, he's kind of being a hypocrite because he's doing different than what he he knew to be true. And causing others to do so. Um, and, and this is something I had not thought about either. Last year when I taught it, I said, you know, we don't find out what, how it ends. You know, Paul doesn't tell us the end of the story. Um, but this is something that, that um, I was reading, is that there's a good chance that even this story in Antioch Anato- was told to the Galatians, from the people who are coming in saying, You've got to be circumcised, you've got to do this, they may have come in and said, well, Listen, you know, Peter's not eating with Gentiles that aren't, that aren't circumcised. You know, uh, even Barnabas, your friend Barnabas isn't doing this. So, why, well, you know, you shouldn't be doing this either. And that the fact that Paul is maybe coming in and saying, Hey, I was there as well, and I rebuked Peter face to face. So, he may be using their very same stories against them. To say, you know, no good, no dice. Like this is still the message. It doesn't matter if I preach a different message. It doesn't matter if Peter preaches. It. it doesn't matter if an angel from heaven comes down and preaches a different message. It, it this the message is grace. The message is we don't return to the law. You know. And so, so that's really great. And so, what we have here is you've got this this thing where, where, you see the Apostle Paul. Encouraging us to be no respecters of status. I mean, if you're at work, I would recommend doing that. Just keep your job so we can pay our stinking bills. That'd be, you know, nice, but honest. We learn to be kind. And we learn to be nonviolent, not with, with our fists, but with our tongues as well. And that will help us argue better or disagree well. Um e- e- You see these, so so you see Paul, I don't see, I don't recognize status, I don't recognize dividers. As a matter of fact, I do recognize them, but when I see it, I try to stop it Uh, with a rebuke. So you also see Paul willing to rebuke those with higher statuses that would be seen as higher status than his because he knows that the truth is very vital. And then you also see equality, and that's when I go like, say what? Like to a lot of people who like don't like Paul. (laughs) Paul is pushing equality, believe it or not, you know, um, in a way that people don't see, he is trying to bring two separate groups together, and, and I would see that I would I would honestly say to myself I think if Paul was was a here today, he would be saying. You know. There's no conservatives and no liberals. You know we we're one in Christ. You know like Republicans Democrats. What are you doing? You're going to bite. You're going to destroy each other if you don't stop it. You know I think he would speak truth to us. And I think we would both equally get kind of a roasting there to be like, you guys have to come together. You guys have to compromise. You have to, and compromise comes from co-promise. You have to co-promise with each other. You know, you're going to have to live in the tension. Uh, you're going to have to live in... in uh, you're going to have to find the common ground and the... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, contradiction within the contradictions, and I think that's the contradictions that we, that, that, that the type of thing that Hegel talks about is coming together and finding something different. Uh, when you look at the peace process, and I talk about Belfast a lot, because I really do love it, but you know all these different people coming together and having to sacrifice other things so they can be community, and now it's a really amazing place. I love that place. I love visiting, I love being there. Um, it's a great community, but everybody had to sacrifice something in order for peace to happen, for them to not literally kill each other and destroy each other, so you've got Paul saying, "Pretty punk rock stuff here. Is that I don't recognize status. Um, I stand up to those who try to cause division. You know, I rebuke those who try to cause division. I'm calling for equality. Um, you know, I'm calling for unity. So, I mean, Paul is vital, folks. Paul is vital to the gospel." You know, Paul is vital to, to the work of Christ, to continuing the work of Christ, because as Christ comes and then we all go, we all go, oh, this is what Jesus, oh, this is what Jesus said. And Paul's saying, you guys got to work this stuff out. So we're going to end, uh, so usually we get through two as well. Um, he, he gets some pretty good stuff, but I think we can wait for that. Um. So that's another part of Galatians, is the great part of this, this book that I think is the greatest book written on grace, is this, it's a rebuke letter. It's also, it's ton of foreshadowing for such a small letter. You know, he's going like, I've, you know, we got to stop this stuff. So he keeps showing, like, I've dealt with this, I've argued with this, I've, done, I've argued the, with the best of this. I've argued with the most people with authority. Well, I don't respect authority, but I even if you do, I, the authority of the top of Christianity besides Jesus, I've argued this and actually set it straight and rebuked on this behalf because we have to be a community. And that the law will not save you, that works will not save you, that it is not about those things. And he'll get into that, he'll get into Jew and Gentile and things like that in a few minutes and then he'll talk about like when we try to do these things that we really nullify grace, you know. That we, 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 we basically just say, oh, pff, who needs Jesus? Who needs grace? Because we, we, we've got it taken care of. And that's what you see is a lot of folks who just, they might give you word service, but, you know, when they start telling you, did you got to do this, 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 and this, they're just basically saying, you know, grace isn't enough. Uh, you know, inclusion is not enough. Christ is not enough. And that's what they say. So, um. I'll tell you what, guys, it's getting really, really hard to, die. like, this, well, this is harder to be passionate about when I'm getting so many facts, which, like, these little tiny areas, and I keep just getting more and more, but we're going to keep, trying. I mean, I'm super passionate about it. I just hope you're feeling it and loving it as well. Hey, so there you go. Um, we're going to continue to go through Galatians. I'll be back here next week. Um, I'm kid-free next week, so usually if you can tell, like, by the way I talk and stuff, because I got my, my sweet girl, Minnie, is here at the house. My son went, um. went and did some things with his mom today. So it's uh, dad and daughter time today, which is pretty cool. So we're going to go do some fun stuff together. Um, but yeah, so much good stuff coming up folks. And listen, we really do need to raise funds. Um, it's just the nature of this church. We've been doing it for 30 years. The message gets better and the budget gets smaller and that's okay. You know, if that's, what I got to do to tell the truth was great. But like if we can figure out ways to bring in uh, finances to keep this church striving. And I, yes, I just said church. I've been calling it a gathering, but I feel like we're now getting to a place where we've got to reclaim some things and redefine some things. But we are a community. I'll call gathering just so it doesn't trigger everybody real quick and maybe even myself. But we are two or three gathered together and that's what we are doing. And we will continue to do this. And I was really inspired. It's so strange to me. I was really inspired by watching the documentary about my parents and it's not all roses and sunshine. Um, but what interested me was seeing how many people they, they were able to, to be a build community with through television. And think about this as we're talk, we can talk to each other. We can DM each other. We can do all this kind of stuff together and, um, and still remain and, and be a community. So that's what we'll continue to do. And, uh, I'm just open to like if we get the budget bigger, I'm I've got ideas, but right now I'm not gonna try to sell anything. I'm not gonna move, oh, I'm gonna do this if we do this. You know, I'm just saying like this is I had an independent accountant say this is what you need. If you want to get in bring on somebody and you guys wanna do more and you wanna be more efficient, you need to have about 75 grand this year. So that's what we're gonna try to raise. I'll keep you guys updated. I hate that I have to keep asking for money. I hate asking for money because my background, my family. Um, but we are a nonprofit, and you do get uh, a tax write-off for that. If 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 that helps encourage you, I'm really hoping that we can find somebody to come in and kind of sponsor this whole thing, or at least a good chunk of what we're doing, and the work that we're doing, um, because we've been forerunners and, and stuff, you know, and especially amongst like the evangelical places, you know, I was there, and when we you know we were going in saying LGBTQ folks were our brothers and sisters, and we're equal, and there's not a sin there. And, got to welcome each other, and I, I saw a lot of people follow that, you know, and, and um, unfortunately, sometimes those people don't want to recognize you either because it reminds them that they weren't always in the same place, so um, it, uh, it can be a struggle, but we will continue to embrace and include people and in, in talk about inclusion and talk about the, 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 the historical facts of Christianity and what Christianity really is, not just traditional Christianity, but we will get, dig into the scholarship and we will talk about things that are tough and we will struggle with that and we will see things that we have to go, okay, here's contradictions. What do we do with these contradictions? You're always going to get a straight shot here. And I think it's really exciting to look at this and go, oh my gosh, you know, we've got the Apostle Paul, and he's, he keeps talking about no hierarchy and then the church has been built on this like hierarchical like system of like, you know, you uh, know, just almost like virtue signaling with each other even on both sides. And it's going, no, it's not about that. It's not about this hierarchy. It's not about virtue signaling. It's, not about, it's about trying to come together in a way that's not very comfortable but that keeps you from killing each other. And I'd rather you be a little bit uncomfortable with each other and, and learn to disagree well or, 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 than, than destroy each other. And, uh, and if we do that, then the powers that be can't keep us divided and can't control things the way it is. I mean, it really comes down to even a bigger thing when we, when we really grasp these principles and we really understand what it truly is to be a follower of Christ, to be uh, a part of Christianity when we really, you know, what is taking up my cross? My, taking up my cross isn't, isn't judging other people and being horrible and, and treating women less than. You know, picking up my cross is, is having a table for everyone and, and understanding the importance of that and building relationships and friendships and community with all people uh, of all faiths. You know, it's, it's Christianity is coming in and saying, blessed is the peacemaker. So there you go, folks. Um, revolutionchurch.com is where you can support us or you can donate there. Um, you can also share our needs. Like, it's up on Instagram you can like that stuff, you can share that, you can like what you've seen today, you can sign up for YouTube and follow us and like our talks every week, you can share these talks on YouTube, you can share them with friends, that helps, you can share the, you know, you can go on and leave a good review on iTunes or uh, all the different ones that we're on, whatever ones you listen to, um, you can like our stuff, give us uh, positive reviews, share our stuff. You know, those are other ways you can really help support the work that we're doing. So it's not just write a check, but writing a check would help the most. But those other things also really help and help get the word out there and uh, continue to help grow this community so we can be a self-sufficient community and uh, continue to do new and exciting things that bring us closer to bringing this as a reality to all people, not just our small community, but continue to reach out to other bodies and have maybe some tough conversations that bring us together. All right. Thank you so much. I'll see you guys next week. Bye-bye.